As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. fans it is a tuesday edition of the athletic hockey show it's ian mendes julian mckenzie with you on this tuesday and you know we got a we got a goalie theme a little bit here my friend do we now yeah yeah in fact we got a goalie theme in minnesota we got a goalie theme in columbus i wouldn't mind picking your brain on the the guy who plays goalie in calgary because his name is starting to leak out there uh, there are lots of things going on with goalies around the league, but listen, and we'll get Mike Russo on in a bit to give us a little bit more on this. But Mark Andre Fleury Flower passes Patrick Waugh and becomes number two all time on the goalie wins list, five fifty two for the Flower, and he get it does it with a shutout too, which is amazing. But what a what an evening for Mark Andre Fleury! Absolutely, I, I just what are the better goaltending personalities we've been able to see in the NHL over the last how many years and to see him just reach these heights and still be able to play like that is such a fun awesome story I find with 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 MAF like I, I love the fact that he's been able to win as many games and continue to rise up the ranks with all of these other great Quebecois goaltenders like I think that's awesome and and the cool thing is like I I've mentioned the story before about being in, in in Montreal for when he reached 500 wins with Chicago and how uh, all the Canadians fans stood up and cheered. Like I can't think of too many people around the NHL who don't really like this guy. And this feels like a story that so many people around the league like they just appreciate Flower and love him and to see him kind of climb these ranks. Like it's just like that just feels fun to me. That just feels like a really good feel good story and. Yeah, I, I'll all hats to him for for passing uh, for passing Patty Watt. Like that's awesome. Yeah, and I mean he's probably not going to get to Martin Brodeur. Brodeur is at six hundred ninety one wins, so probably not going to happen. But yeah, passing Patrick Watt. You say that, but like every time, like we've been we've been thinking about Caldwell Fleury's career is supposed to end like for the last three four years, and he's still playing. He'll. 
probably not get to that record. But you know, like it, it's it's fun to see him still pick up all these wins. Maybe he gets to six hundred. Yeah, you know, there's a fun little story that I don't know that the listeners would actually know. Maybe you don't even know this, but Mark Andre Fleury actually owes a great deal of credit for his success, Julian, to an eye doctor in Ottawa. Okay, so okay. this here's the story. This is early on. So Fleury, when he broke in with the Penguins. Uh, his first playoff series was against Ottawa in 2007, and they got they got taken out pretty quickly. Five games, Ottawa beats them, and there's an eye doctor in Ottawa. If you if maybe you remember this, maybe you don't. But Flurry, when he broke into the NHL, wore yellow pads. Yes, okay? I he wore pads. yellow pads, and this eye doctor in Ottawa basically told him, you know, because you wear yellow pads, the shooters, their eyes have an easier time finding holes in the net, so to speak, because the the yellow, he explained it all. Anyway, Fleury took this guy's advice, switched to white pads. They get to the cup final the next year. They win the Stanley Cup two years after that, and he's off and running. But, but his eye doctor was like, hey, man, just so you know, it's actually easy to pick spots on you because of your yellow pads. Have you written about this guy? Oh, it got written about years ago in in Ottawa. Um, you know. Yeah. That's such a cool story. That's that's awesome. I mean, I I, I did Mark ever get to like like how did those two ever get to like connect? Like how no, did I, you know what? And I don't even remember. doctor like connect with those two. Like, because it's because it's what they did just have anybody. Could you imagine just anybody going up to an NHL player and being like, you know, you should change your pads? Like, what do you know? about that. I would love to know how those two came together and how Mark andre Flory was willing to take this person's advice. So I'm looking at a story written in 2008 by uh, yeah, by, by a writer. It, it was uh, Joe Starkey. Some guy write. in Ottawa in yeah, 2008. No, no, this, this is in the Pittsburgh the paper. And the oh, story okay. is all about um, she sent a letter. The, the eye doctor sent a letter to the Penguins <laughs> during so cool. the season. And said, Flurry so should switch cool. to white pads. That like, like you realize how funny that is. Like, yeah, some random fan said, "Hey, Janet, you know, should... it's an eye it was an eye doctor in Ottawa." Like, an eye, like but yeah, but they're like a fan, right? I mean, like it, it wasn't Mark Andre Flurry's eye doctor, as far as we know. No, you know, random. but that's still pretty cool. Sorry, I, I'm not sure if I cut you off. The funny thing about that too is that the whole time you were saying like "eye doctor," I was ready for for the story to be about how Mark Andre Fleury had all these troubles with vision, and then he went to visit this Ottawa eye doctor, and everything changed. I did not expect it to be like, "Oh, hey, dude, your pads are too bright," yeah, no, no, and she, everyone's able to score on you. Totally. Anyway, so, so here's the quote from the eye doctor from two thousand the two thousand seven eight season. The doctor says, quote, this is what the doctor told the, the trib in Pittsburgh, quote, for three or four years, every time I walked past and saw those yellow pads, I'd say to myself, what is that boy thinking? I'd wonder <laughs> why, I'd wonder to myself, why doesn't somebody tell him? Because it's not really a secret. The doctor went on to explain that yellow is the most sensitive color to the human eye. In this case, the shooter's eyes in a hockey game. The doctor said, quote, when they're moving that fast and they can see the goalie pad so easily, the goalie in the net, it makes it easier to find the net. She should be a goalie coach. There you go. 
And then Fleury said, I thought about it and I said, maybe it's time. I love, I love the Ottawa connection to this, but uh, again, congratulations to Marc-Andre Fleury on, uh, on uh, continuing to achieve history. And who knows how many wins he would have gotten if it wasn't for that eye doctor. Should have started his like... whole career maybe with white pads. Maybe he'd be chasing that on Brodeur. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I said this is a goalie-heavy show. Let's let's go yes. to Elvis in Columbus. Elvis Merzlikens is all of a sudden, uh, look, he, he's requested a trade out of Columbus. And this is what you lo- got to love this about hockey. Vancouver is just rolling. They go into Columbus. And the Jackets beat them in a shootout. Elvis Merlikens is is solid. Uh, you know, Elvis is solid in that game. But the story is all about this guy wants out. He's quoted as basically, uh, I love the quote that he gave in Aaron Portsline's story uh, about, are you going to play with a chip on your shoulder now that you've basically, it's come out that you want to trade? His quote, yes, because I'm really mad. And I'm pulling the monster out of me. So Merzlikens is, he's mad. He wins. And, and here we go. Get your popcorn. This guy's not going to, he's probably not going to finish the year in Columbus would be my guess, but you never know. This is so if you account for Elvis Merzlikens and Ilya Samsonov uh, in Toronto. So that's like back-to-back nights. We've seen goaltenders who haven't played since, December, and we're essentially essentially just just sitting there, essentially having not so bad performances. In the case of Samsonov, he brings the Leafs to an overtime; they lose to Detroit, and then you have Elvis Brzezikins, who wins over arguably the hottest one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now, in the Vancouver Canucks. Like, I I, I like Elvis Brzezikins betting on himself. I'm very curious what that means for his trade value. I don't have the cap hit in front of me, but. Uh, a guy who essentially was relegated to third string was a healthy scratch for a handful of games over the last few weeks as guys like Daniil Tarasov and Spencer Martin were in net. Uh, but if he's able to pull off wins like this against Vancouver, that obviously helps. And if you're Columbus, um, yeah, like you, 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 you could, you take that into consideration, but like, all right, I'm able to pull up the cap number here. He has a cap hit of 5.4 5. 4 million. Yeah. I want to know what, like, I see that he's out there. We've heard John Gibson's name as a possibility. Uh, Jacob Markstrom in Calgary all of a sudden. Like, I, I I I see the goalies are materializing. Jake Allen in Montreal. I'm just trying to think of where the places are and how many of these teams can uh, can actually afford them. We know Carolina needs a goalie. We know if New Jersey, they move some stuff around with the cap, they could be in a position where they could afford a goalie. And they uh, have, they're, they're a team that still wants to make the playoffs. And their goaltending hasn't necessarily been amazing. I'm just trying to think of other teams who desperately will want one and actually can't afford one. Because what if it becomes a situation where you have all these goalies that are waiting for all these different spots if they want if they want it, but not enough suitors? I, that's what I'm looking forward to with this uh, with with this goalie market. Don't you always the first team you think of is New Jersey, or and maybe yeah. maybe Car- maybe Carolina. Carolina, maybe, New Jersey maybe are the a two little teams bit, I'm thinking of the most. Little bit Edmonton, but certainly the Devils are the team that you're like, okay, that if somebody's talking about trading a goalie, the Devils become the team. But look, man, Merzlikens has, as you mentioned, Julian, a 5.4 million cap hit for three seasons beyond this one. Like, it's mm-hmm. not three seasons including this one. It's three seasons beyond this one. So you 
you got to be pretty darn sure that this guy is the guy. Uh, I mean, maybe Columbus is going to have to eat some money, but that's a that's a lot of term and a decent cap hit to absorb. Uh, but the same would go for Jacob Markstrom because here's a guy, he's got a $6 million cap hit, and he's got what, this year and two more for Markstrom. I, what, and what, he happening? has a no-movement clause. What's happening? And he has a no-movement clause. With Jacob Markstrom, uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of that talk around Jacob Markstrom, at least from from my end, I mean, it doesn't, I haven't heard that he'd be willing to move his no-move clause, and that's the biggest hurdle in all of this. This is a goaltender who has this has this in his contract, and he's earned it, as far as I'm concerned, and, you know, it's on him to move it if that's what he wants to do. I would still be surprised if it happens, and on top of that, he's apparently he's not healthy right now. He's actually day-to-day with a lower body injury that was announced today in Calgary, so right now, Dan Vladar and Dustin Wolf are up. But I could also see that as 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 the team giving him rest and giving an opportunity for Dustin Wolf to play. But for teams that are willing to accommodate a guy like Jacob Markstrom, I would have to think that Calgary would have to get some kind of crazy trade package. And then again, they still have to go to their goalie and explain, you know, hey, this is what we're able to get in order to make our team better. Like that is an interesting discussion that uh, I would imagine the Flames would have to have. But I, as far as I know, I don't know if that's if that is. I don't want to say realistic. I just want to, like, I, I, I'm not saying it's happening. I'm not saying it's not happening. I would be very interested and intrigued if it does happen, but I haven't well, heard anything of that sort. And you got to sens- stop the speculation, but you got to be sensitive. The guys with the full, no move. Absolutely. It's got to be handled very sensitively by, and in this case, by Craig Conroy, like it, it's a tricky tightrope to walk and it, you, you can do it. Don't get me wrong. You can do it. But there's got to be direct, open, and honest dialogue with the player and his agent. You know, if, yep. if you if you've executed a trade and then you come to him at the last minute and say, "Will you waive it? We have a parameters of a deal." You're kind of making the the the, the athlete feel like, "Well, now if I don't do it, I'm the bad guy." Versus yep. go to him now and say, "Listen, are there six or seven places you'd be willing to go? Do you want to go?" Let's talk about this. Let's work it out together. But if you just go out and you're starting to, you go to New Jersey and they're willing to give you a first plus something else. And then you go to him and you're like, hey, I got this deal on the table. You know, you got to present it. You got to present it in the right way. Right. So I agree um, with that. And just just having a no movement clause as any athlete, you know, you, you want that in your deal for some sense of security. And I can't imagine being on the athlete side where your boss comes up to you and says, Hey, do you want this piece of security moved? Because we think you're older and we can't really afford your contract anymore. And we want to get younger. Like I, I can't imagine what a person would feel in that situation. And, and I'm, not, I'm certainly not speaking for Jacob Barksham when I say that, but I, I, I can't imagine what that would, would be like, but all that to say, um, if it happens with Jacob Markstrom, I would be very surprised. I'm not saying it's impossible, whether it's now or in the off season, but I would still be very surprised. And I also wonder with even with g- those guys available, we're just coming off a playoff run where Aiden Hill came out of nowhere yeah. and 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 led the Vegas Golden Knights to a Stanley Cup championship. I say this all the time. You don't need the goalie to win you a cup. You need a goalie. So while I think trading for a guy like Markstrom or trading for a guy like John Gibson or even a Merzlikens makes some sense. Does it in in the in the in the fact that like you know a, a winner could come from everywhere? It's something from anywhere. It's something that a lot of GMs have to consider. And 
I don't know if they necessarily need to break the bank anymore to get themselves an NHL goaltender to bring them far. One other goalie note that I want to pass along, and this one's interesting. So Ottawa on Monday, Julian, they basically changed out the goalie coach. It's been a disaster in the crease for Ottawa with Forsberg and Corpusallo. So they bring up the AHL goalie coach and Justin Peters. They reassigned Zach Burke, who's the goalie coach. But here's the interesting thing. Tuesday night, they got the high-powered, high-octane Colorado Avalanche in town. Mm -hmm. They are going with 23-year-old goalie prospect Mad Sogard in this game over a fully healthy, a healthy Corpus Allo. Jacques Martin told us on Tuesday morning, I think we have a better chance of winning with the kid in the net. So stop and think about that. Corpus Allo, we are three months into a five-year deal, and the new head coach says, I think we got a better chance to win with the kid in that. So that's another situation to monitor Man. as we, we bounce I around. I saw that really quickly. I, I saw that quote floating around, and I couldn't, I'm like, wow. I get that Jacques Martin is the interim guy there. I really wonder how how uh, Eunice feels hearing that. I know his stats have not been great this year, but uh, a bit of a difficult situation developing in Ottawa. That does yeah. not sound good. No, not at all. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As I mentioned, that we would have Mike Russo standing by, and we're going to kick things off by talking about Marc-Andre Fleury. And this, you know, courtesy of, uh, courtesy of Bally Sports North, it is a little audio. Here's Marc-Andre Fleury in the uh, historic shutout win on Monday night. A shutout for Fleury for 552. Did you make an argument? That it could be the other 19 guys that have wanted this win for Marc-Andre Fleury more than Marc-Andre Fleury has. But nonetheless, tip of the cap to him. 552 looks good on you, Marc-Andre. Congratulations, second all-time. Passes Patrick Waugh. Celebration ensues in the corner. Pretty emphatic blocker. Fist pump from him as well. Sole possession, second place, most wins all-time. And let's bring him in. Let's bring in Mike Russo because that was that looked like a really cool moment. The way that the the eighteen skaters went to the crease, it felt like they just won a playoff series. Mike, well, it kind of felt like that since they never win. Um, but uh, oh, oh yeah, no. what's uh, with this Minnesota Wild shade? Jeez, it's, uh, it's been a rough go here the last uh, ten games. So it probably felt like that. As Brian Ralston once said after a uh, losing streak that he was amazed that the wild players didn't throw their uh, sticks and, uh, and gloves on the ice and things like that. Um, no, but uh, to be totally honest, I mean, that, that that was so pure. I mean, um, 
you know, we were talking to Brodeen and Felino and Zuccarello in the locker room. I mean, this really has meant a, mu- a lot to this team to be just part of this journey. Um, you know, obviously the majority of his victories came in Pittsburgh and Vegas and, and teams like that, but th- he's been on this roster for three years and you, you know, I'll, I'll challenge anybody to go find a teammate that didn't like playing with Marc-Andre Fleury. They, they love the guy. I've never covered a guy that every single night, somebody is like, he's just the greatest guy I've ever played with the greatest teammate I've ever had. And I think that's where it comes from. Um, plus, I mean, this is the Minnesota Wild. You know, they they have not had a long. They've first of all, they've only been around twenty three years, so their history doesn't have somebody that is a future Hall of Famer. And for him to, I mean, this is the second most victories in NHL history. It, it's an it's quite the accomplishment, especially for somebody that you know in every stop has also had some trials and tribulations. And um, you know, for him to uh, do this in a Wild uniform, I know it was not only special for the teammates, but also for the fans there. In terms of NHL personalities and players you've been around, whether you've interviewed them or just chatted with or had some kind of relationship, where does Marc-Andre Fleury rank? You you mentioned it. Like So many guys have praised him throughout his career for just being this great teammate. We, every now and again, you hear about some prank that he pulls on his old Pittsburgh Penguins teammates. For you, a, a, a journalist who's been around the game for so long, where does he rank in terms of personalities you've dealt with? Well, definitely, he's he's near the tippy top. I mean, he is just so like, there's just something that's so uh, that attracts you to him uh, because he is such a nice, affable um, guy with incredible etiquette and polite and and all this type of stuff. Um, you know, I have I've covered a lot of Hall of Famers in my career. I covered Beret. I covered you know Igor Larionov. I, I, I've covered a a lot of these guys, Mike Vernon. Um, but you know, there's just something special about him. The way that he treats everybody, the staff. Um, the parking attendants, the beat writers, uh, it's, it's just a constant, um, you know, guy that gets it. Um, and, and he's, I mean, he is the type of reason why I cover this sport because these players, um, in this sport, especially are just so incredible to uh, deal with. And, and he is uh, right there again at the tippy top. Um, you know, just seeing him in the locker room yesterday and, and when his, when his kids came over, two of his Three kids were at the game. Uh, his middle child, unfortunately, had her tonsils taken out and and couldn't oh make it. But yeah, but uh, but you know, his wife was there and two of the kids, and they came over and they were so polite. There's you know, Joel, Joel Erickson Eck and uh, Pat Maroon were occupying them and giving him candy and and all that as they patiently waited for their dad to get done with his media obligations. And then they came running over and jumped on him and posed for pictures and talked to him in French and. And it, it just it reminds me of what it's all about. I, I asked uh, Mark Andre Fleury recently, you know, how he stays so humble because he is unbelievably humble. And he said, "I come home to my my wife, and she goes, clean up that puke, go change that diaper." Uh, you know, he, he walks in the house, and he's no longer he's no longer Mark Mark Andre Fleury. And I've gotten to know, you know, I've interviewed his mom, I've interviewed his sister, um, I've heard so much about his dad. And he just comes from humble upbringings. I mean, this is somebody who's married his childhood sweetheart that was so shy to talk to her when he was a kid that he had his uh, younger sister go up and ask her out to a school dance. And here they are married many, many eons later. It's uh, He's just such a, a great guy. And I think that a lot of us here in Minnesota, especially that are those of us around him, but especially the fans, when he is giving that Hall of Fame speech uh, down the road, I think we're all going to be feeling very, very fortunate that we got to be a small part of his career. As you mentioned, Mike, it hasn't been a, a, a fun ride for Minnesota outside of the, the flurry win on Monday. They are hanging on by their fingernails in the Western Conference playoff race. So what's Bill Guerin's, what, what's his, what's his 
mindset? What's the MO here as they get closer and closer to the trade deadline? Well, I mean, you know, last night was obviously a big win. The Islanders were not very good at all, and it kind of like lowered the temperature a bit. Uh, but they've got a tough, tough three-game trip coming up here to Tampa, Florida, and Carolina, and then a three-game homestand before the bye week. And um, they have a lot of work to do. They were 11-3 and three under under John Hines. And then all at once, they got completely injured where they lost their top two defensemen, their number one goalie, their superstar, their best shutdown winger in Marcus Foligno. And it really just came at the worst time with home and homes against uh, both Winnipeg and Dallas, a, a, a divisional game against Arizona. Um, he... Uh, claims that he still totally believes in this roster. In a lot of ways, Bill Guerin has no choice, Ian. Uh, he married himself to this roster by uh, in training camp giving three uh, extensions to Matt Zuccarello, Ryan Hartman, and Marcus Foligno on a roster that probably warranted a reset here. But now he has locked himself into these guys, into an aging roster, and he's got to m- make sure that this team continues um, on the right path. Um, he also took a lot of his flexibility away come trade deadline by giving those guys not only extensions, but extensions with no move clauses, which could kick in on this contract so they can't be moved without their permission. So really, he's taken away a lot of valuable capital that he would have a chance to uh, to trade if or, or acquire um, at the trade deadline if this team continues to go south. Yes, they, they still have Pat Maroon. They could trade Zach Bogosian. Um, Brandon Duham, but those guys aren't going to get you uh, huge, huge assets in return. So uh, he really needs this roster uh, to continue to play uh, or to start playing back to the way that we saw them during that 14-game stretch under John Hines. Uh, moving from players on the Minnesota Wild roster to uh, a guy still uh, looking to decide his future in Zach Parise, is there any update on him? Is a return to Long Island in New York a possibility? You know what? I am not positive on that anymore. I thought that would be his only option. Um, but the way that the Islanders are playing right now and not looking at all like a true contender, especially in his backyard last night, um, I, I just genuinely, they've lost six of eight on the road, just not playing well. I mean, Clutterbuck basically lambasted them after the game. I just wonder if he's going to go there, especially because I do think he has uh, other options, Julian. I think that Boston Bruins have come calling. They've wanted to sign him before. And I, the two Western Conference teams that I keep on hearing are Colorado and Vegas. Um, so if he looks at those teams as being true, true contenders over the Islanders and who wouldn't, I could see him actually signing for the rest of the year with them. He continues to skate uh, very, very hard here in Minnesota, working out and and giving all impressions that his objective here is to sign at some point, probably, uh, you know, either right before or right after the All-Star break. Obviously, he has to sign by March 8th, the trade deadline, but I would think that he'd want to get going uh, well before that so he gets in a rhythm you know, it's not going to be hard, uh, easy for somebody his age to just step right into the nitty gritty of a midway point of a National Hockey League season. So he's going to want to give himself a little traction. But I definitely th- see him uh, um, uh, signing somewhere, Julian. And the other thing I do wonder is if a lot of those teams that were interested in Zach Parise also have interest now in Corey Perry. There's a lot of teams doing due diligence on him. Uh, you know, Jim Matheson reported many, many. Uh, I remember we were in in uh, Edmonton in early December, and Jim Matheson had just reported in the Edmonton Journal that if Corey Perry became available, that that the Edmonton Oilers would be interested in him. And I do think that there's a lot of playoff contenders that will be looking at him. And to me, you know, Zach Parise would be in that same ilk. Uh, as we bounce around the league, like, like Pierre Lebrun looked at some potential UFA type of guys, and I'm wondering, like, where do you see a guy like Sam Ryan, like? Sam Reinhardt to me is really interesting, Mike. 
Uh, I mean, uh, Gensel's really interesting. Like, as you look at the landscape right now of potential yeah. summer UFAs, obviously Willie Nylander's off the table. Is there one guy, like, and, and maybe it's Reinhardt, or maybe it's Patrick Kane, or maybe it's Gensel. Is there one guy that you're like, ooh, and Stamkos is now into the news cycle? Is there one guy that you're like, I'm really interested to see how this plays out? Yeah, I really am. Well, I will say Stamkos because it sure seems like this is going to be it for him in Tampa Bay. I mean, obviously, we thought that when he was going to go to Toronto many years ago and, and he wound up resigning in, in Tampa Bay. But doesn't it sure feel like they're heading for a separation here um, sometime this summer, obviously? Uh, uh, Julian Breesbaugh came out today in his uh, midseason uh, meetings with the media and saying that Stamkos is going nowhere at the trade deadline. Gensel is the interesting one because if Pittsburgh doesn't make the playoffs or they fall out of it, Obviously, there's going to be a lot of teams interested in him. Vancouver seems to be salivating for him, and Vancouver seems to be salivating for a lot of people. Obviously, Ben Hankinson, his agent, has an incredible relationship um, with Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford in Vancouver and had to deal with the Brock Besser saga the last couple of years as well. Um, so that would make a lot of sense to me. And the one thing about when you have an agent like Ben Hankinson is that he is usually part of that process, Unlike, not unlike uh, Pat Rasson, who sometimes when he's got players that he has in his stable that are looking for or, or potential change of addresses, he kind of helps the process along and gets permission to do that. I could see that happening with uh, Ben Hankinson. Reinhardt is somebody that, man, you know, I did not know that he had this in him after he left Buffalo and he's gone to Florida and he's become a very impactful player. Obviously, salary cap issues is an is a is a big issue in Florida. I think that Florida would love anything to keep him. I can't imagine that Florida would be trading him at the deadline, uh, you know, knowing where they are right now. Um, and so those are the kind of the intriguing ones as well. I would like to ask you about Sidney Crosby, uh, Michael, uh, considering the season he's been on right now. He's at 26 goals. He scored. Uh, against the Seattle Kraken the other night, and they that snapped their massive winning streak that they had. We were talking about a lot of teams that have been hot. The Seattle Kraken were hot. They won nine in a row, and that is done because of Sidney Crosby. It's funny. Ian and I yesterday we were talking about him, and uh, I, I think there are people who are looking to put him on their MVP ballots. What do you think of Crosby's season, and is he on yours? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Julian, too. It's like, you know, to me, it's like, I, you know, and uh, to answer your second question first, there's a lot of guys that are right now, Buying for the heart. I mean, if you know McKinnon, if McDavid, if this Oilers team catches fire, it continues its fire and goes in soaring into the playoffs. Obviously, he'd be there. Um, you know, clearly Austin Matthews as well. But what Sidney Crosby is doing, when you especially cor- kind of correlate that to how tough of a year Alex Ovechkin is having, it just shows you what type of player Sidney Crosby is in, the type of fitness level that he keeps himself in, the fact that he is still a guy that plays at such a high, 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 high level. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens in Pittsburgh right now, because if, again, you know, I, I just wonder how this Jake Gensel thing, you know, really plays out, because I think that that Sidney Crosby um, is somebody that would absolutely uh, give anything for Jake Gensel to stay there. And I think Jake Gensel would love to stay there. But I think Jake Gensel is going to also need to know the future of the Penguins to determine on whether or not he's going to want to resign there if they are going to be in a sort of as as some uh, reporters have reported a quote mini rebuild. So but what he is doing. Um, at, at his age just says to me everything about uh, the type of player that Sidney Crosby has uh, has been and, and continues to be. You know, Crosby, as Julian mentioned, on pace for 50 goals this season. His only other 50-goal season was in 2009-2010. So that would be a 14-year gap between That's 50 insane. goal seasons. And just for a little bit of perspective, uh, of, the, of the guys in NHL history that have had only two 50-goal seasons, the biggest gap that I could find was five seasons. That was Joe Sackick, wow. 
That was Joe Sackick. That was Dino Cicerelli. That's it. Imagine those guys went five years between 50 goal seasons. Sid would go 14. So that just kind of paints That's the picture insane. of, of how, uh, how, how nuts that is. Uh, to wrap it up, let's uh, talk about a guy who, well, he coached a, a maybe the greatest 50-goal scorer of all time in Alex Ovechkin, that's Bruce Boudreaux. And uh, you know him well, Mike, from his time, obviously, in Minnesota. They don't call him Gabby for nothing. And uh, we're going to play a little clip from NHL Network on the weekend. Here's Bruce Boudreaux talking about a little story involving the Vancouver Canucks and Quinn Hughes. I got to say this for the first time on TV. And I mean, I'm I'm not going to say who, but somebody in that Vancouver organization, tried to make me make Quinn Hughes a center last year. What? What? And I refused to do it. And I I said, I'm not making him a center. I'm not making him a center. And they kept trying to put me to put uh, Quinn at center, and I am so happy I didn't. First of all, he would probably have not taken it very like, well. I don't think and so. secondly, yeah, yeah. the year he's having a Norris Trophy kind of year, yeah. boy, th- that it's quite a difference from him playing center on that team. What do we make of that comment, Mike? <laughs> um, I don't know. I find it funny because it's Gabby. He's told me that before, by the way, and I, I think I know who it is. Um, he kind of... Uh, I think his reaction to that was the same reaction that I had once when I asked him if he would move Matt Dumba to wing. It was kind of like, are you, you know, are you freaking crazy? Uh, so, I mean, I just never thought that he would go on TV and say it. And sometimes, I mean, that's the one thing, you know, get the one thing about Bruce Boudreaux and, and our, our illustrious uh, producer here, uh, Jeff Domet knows it well, because Bruce and I used to do um, a number of podcasts together. And sometimes you just, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. And Bruce says it. Sometimes he starts speaking. He doesn't know what's going to come out. And I bet you probably deep down, he rather, he kind of prefers that he probably didn't say that on TV because Gabby is not into the social media thing. And he doesn't understand how things just could go like that. And I think that he probably never thought that it would go as viral as he did. And it probably took away from his larger message, which was if you watch the entire clip, guys, I mean, he is absolutely praising. Um, the job that Rick Tockett and the Vancouver Canucks have done this year. And so he's not trying to, you know, I don't really think that he was you know, you know, intending to throw as much shade as it seems like he does. And sometimes when you see things in such a small context, you look at it and like, uh, there's a bitter coach that's pissed off that he was fired and they're doing great. Now he's trying to create a controversy. I could tell you that, that, you know, is never his intention. Sometimes he just talks to you. He's, that's why he's an everyman. You see him at the end of the bar, you want to sit next to that guy because he's going to sit there and just tell you everything in, in life. And he's such a, a cartoon character. And that's the way I, I interpreted it. Okay, who did it? Who who who, I who was the man? Unless I, he wants I, I, knew, I knew you'd say that. I knew yeah. you'd say that. I had to try. Yeah. I, okay. I will say I don't think it's hard to figure out. But no. when he told me that, it was just us shooting the breeze. That's the way I took it. It's an off-the-record thing. It was something I'd never write. So now that he's said it publicly, yeah, that's now public record, but he didn't say who. So I'm going to continue to respect that. There you go. That's how you protect your sources. That That's professionalism mm-hmm. 101 right there from <laughs> uh, from Mike Russo. All right, Mike, as always, uh, great to have you drop by the pod. I do want to just, before we let you out, uh, take our listeners through how you and Joe Smith determine Road trips, because uh, you kind of aired a little bit of uh, frustration today because it's uh, ice cold in the Twin Cities. It looks like Mr. Smith is headed to a warmer location. So how do you guys figure out who gets what road trips where there's two writers covering one team? Is it a draft? It's a good, it's, it, it should be a draft. It's going to have to be next year. 
we try to make it even like last year I got New York this year. He got New York last year. You know, I got a couple Vegas this year. He's going Super Bowl Sunday, uh, day, day oh, after. Um, but the, you know, it's, it's like minus a thousand degrees out guys. Like, you know, uh, it, like I think that I should be a, at least, maybe we should go together down to Florida, not just him down there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to make it extremely clear and put it on the record for all wild fans to remember that next year that Joe needs to know that, yes, we made a little deal that if he moved to Minnesota and helped me cover the wild, that he would get the Florida trip because he's from Tampa, but that's not like indefinitely. That's not in perpetuity. Like I'm from South Florida. Like at some point I deserve a trip back to South Florida and to Tampa <laughs> to cover those games. And last year I didn't really mind because I covered the all-star game down in Florida, but now I'm not getting to go to Florida this season. So we're just going to have to let Joe know and remind him next year. And I'm going to need both of your help to do that. That when that schedule comes out at the draft, that wherever that Florida trip is, I get to go. Russo at least needs to see that photo of him at FLA Live Arena at least once. Oh, uh, no. I don't know if it's down. called that. No, it's a nice photo, Michael. It's a very yeah. nice photo. I was the so Panthers much younger. Very then. nice to honor you. you hey, look. Yeah. I love you it. Still, you haven't aged a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I, as I wait till you see me get up from this chair and how long it takes me, you'll know how long I've oh, aged. Boy. I love it. Hey, listen, thanks as always for dropping by the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show and uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Yep. See you guys. There goes Mike Russo. Uh, always great to have him. We should have said, in, in in order to not to sort of still protect his source, we should have said, uh, does the person's name rhyme with Francisco uh, Laquilini? Whoa. Hey. And blink blink <laughs> twice. Hey, Mike. Hey. Blink. Twice. No, I'm just throwing Wolf. it out. There. I don't know that Wolf. that's the case, but anyway, Wolf. I'm just throwing it out there for fun. For fun. Throwing hey, heat um, on that story, my man. Woof. Uh, uh, I want to. Uh, and, and by the way, I want to. I want to throw this out to the listeners because Mike Russo and Joe Smith. I threw out the idea that they should have a draft to see who goes on what road trips. I want to ask hockey fans: if you share season tickets with somebody, how do you do it? How do you? How do you? How do you? Um, how do you divvy up the tickets? Is it a draft? I love the idea of a draft for season tickets. Like you got 41 home dates and you're like, oh man, I want McDavid. I want Bedard, but maybe the other guy or the other person in there. Anyway, it is so much fun. Hit us up the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. If you share season tickets with someone, how do you divvy it up? And if Julie, if you were sharing season tickets with somebody, how would you do it? Draft? And would it be a snake draft? Like the the the, the person who drafts one, then the other person drafts two, three, and then back to you? Like, what's the fair way to do it? Well, that's a good question. Uh, uh, I am not a season ticket holder for any of the teams that I support. Uh, I would love to have enough money to be able to do that one day. Um, I guess a draft would be pretty fun. I would imagine, depending on the amount of people who are partaking in this draft, you could do like a fun, like in-person thing. You ever done like an in-person fantasy football draft? Yeah. Like I would, I would find a way to do it like that, where you have the list of games, everyone's able to look at the schedule and then you divvy it up uh, through, through, through all that. I think for me, if I was in a situation where I would be picking to see which teams I'd want to see. 
I mean, right now, and I, and I guess I'm accounting for all the games I have seen and the players I have gotten to see live. I guess Connor Bedard would have to be top of mind, right? But then I, what I have happens? not yet. It's a risk. When you pick a singular player, it's a risk. Imagine you've got tickets to see I mean, Bedard this month, and you're not going to see him, but you you took him first overall in the ticket draft, right? That's the but it's a risk you run, risk. right? Like yeah. if you if you pick like 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 the Pittsburgh Penguins, God forbid something happens to Crosby. That's something you have to, to worry about for every team. But wouldn't you weigh, like, I'd want, if I had a season ticket draft with somebody and I shared tickets, I would want the, I would put a heavy emphasis on the weekend games. I'm like, give me the weekend. I don't want the Tuesday night. I don't want the Monday night. I want the, the Friday, Saturday, what Sunday if, games. I mean, I, I understand that logic, but like, what if like Colorado is in town on the Tuesday and it, you're an Eastern Conference team as an example, and that's your one chance at seeing Nathan McKinnon for the whole year. Like you can't. I don't think you could just look at it from weekends. I think you look at it from players and people you want to see. And depending on when Bedard is coming, depending on when McKinnon is coming, Crosby, depending on what conference you're in, that makes a world of difference. Well, we have a, a viewer here who's paying attention, who's a season ticket holder, a press who says it's a lot less exciting than a draft. What we do is we just have a chat before every game and say who's going to the game on day number X. Maybe a draft next season is the way to go. Thanks for the idea. Yeah, I'd love to know what how, if people, you, how, how people divvy it what up. If, what if people, like I, like the basic chat idea, I guess could work, but like what if you have two people like fighting over a day? Like how does that go? Well, like, that, that was Yeah, exactly. That's why the draft eliminates the tension. I agree with that, but like, you know, <laughs> There are some people who haven't thought that far ahead, right? Yeah. Like, are you rock, paper, scissors type of people? Are you pick a number between one and five? Could you coin flip? <laughs> like, you have to think of some funny, uh, interesting ideas if you haven't gone through a draft. No, absolutely. Uh, again, the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we do have one uh, email we're going to read out here from Jack. We talked about how the Dallas Cowboys are the NFL's version of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You mentioned David Ayers what he did to Toronto in February of 2020. Uh, Jack yeah. says, you mentioned on Monday's show the correlation with the Leafs and the Dallas Cowboys, how Dallas could lose in a similar way to the e-bug loss that Toronto famously had. Back when Ndamukong Sue played for Detroit, he had to kick a field goal, failing miserably, for the Lions. I think that would be a similar loss if Dallas lost the game because their opponent had an injured kicker and they had a defensive player kick the game winner. Yeah, that 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 would be it. That would absolutely I, be it. I if that's as close as we can get, maybe. But like, remember, David Ayers was a nobody who was is a Zamboni was a Zamboni driver. I don't know if he still is a Zamboni driver, but he was a Zamboni driver. Dominican Sue at least was is still like an NFL player. That would be like that. Like if a Dominican Sue like. Because that's happened. Chad Ochocinco's kicked field goals or extra points before. That would be like if the if if the Leafs had nobody else or whoever the Leafs were playing had nobody else on their roster uh, in terms of goalies, and they asked like Mitch Marner to go in net, or they asked some player who's maybe played goalie before in a previous life. Like I don't think that's necessarily the same thing. Man, I know it's a, that it's would a... be wild. But that would be wild though. That would probably like would that be wilder than an e bug? like winning a game where an NHL team goes to its roster of players. They look at well, them and they say, Hey, well, uh, has anyone ever here played goalie before? So and then you put them in. 
Let me tell you about a story from just during the COVID season. Ottawa had a game in which both their goalies got hurt. And Artem Anisimov put on goalie gear and was ready to go. I forgot about this. And then I think it was Marcus Hogberg that was able to finish off the game. But if he couldn't, if he couldn't, Artem Anisimov had the pads on and was ready to go. It's it's possible that I forgot about that story existing. Yeah. Like that, I think, would be that would be insane. Even if they played like five, ten minutes and they had to hold down a lead or something, that would be one of the most insane stories we've heard. Right? Like, uh, like, oh man, it's is Artem Anisimov? Where's Artem Anisimov? I think he might he's not in the NHL anymore. He might is he no. KHL? Maybe. I don't know. Is it is Artem Anisimov the guy who do y'all know if you remember he I think it was with the Rangers? And he yes. had a yeah, gold the celebration. Yeah. The Stelly where he took and Tortorella. the stick and he made it like a gun. Yeah. Oh, God. Artem Anisimov is in the AHL right now. Or at least last play in the NHL. In the AHL. Played five games with the Hartford. With Wolf. Hartford. Okay. So he's, he's he's still playing. Is he playing as a skater or a goalie? <laughs> they have his skater stats here. So I I, I don't I, I presume it's that. That would, be, that would be the NHL's version of Shohei Otani. If they was legitimately a guy who could, you know, from time to time, he could sneak in there, he could play goal for you. And then the other games when he wasn't a goalie, he was, think of the incredible flexibility that would give you if you had a guy that just to be your third guy that you don't have to rely on the e-bug. And then you could just have that guy. If the second goalie got hurt, just give me five minutes. I'm going to throw my pads on and I'll get in there. Might be a good way to... I'm pretty sure that's probably a good like measure for the salary cap too. Like you have a player on your roster who's already a forward, and you don't even have to do any crazy stuff if you want him as a goalie. Well, Michael would a position player be better than the average e bug from Michael Gribben? Like, okay, wait, hold on. Now is Michael is Michael? Are you asking a position player putting on goalie gear, or like just position player being the sixth skater on the ice and kind of like I'm I, assuming I, you mean I, goalie I, gear. I presume it was the former, yeah. And so, I would I, say that the e-bug would be better. Really? I yeah. mean, because they're, they're sure, goalies. They're goalies. Yeah, but you mean like, like, like I'm sure there are players out there who at some point played goalie and then switched, right? Lots like, of sure like, you mean, Yeah, so like the idea of an NHL player having to tap it, I'm not saying they'd be good, but then again, I mean... Depends on this. I mean, I don't yeah, know, like the skill level of, all, of those players. They're all be- like college goalies, aren't they? Like they're not just random off the street. They're actually guys who play goalie at some level, and then they just kind of hang around. Not all of them. I mean, fair. There's some guys are college goalies. Some guys played in like the Telus Cup how many years ago? I just I mean, think with the you, edge you work, have a point. skates, and all you the do have a point. You're right. I think that that they would be better than if you just rolled in a skater. Yeah, that's fair. That's actually a good point. Yeah, I think a lot more people in the comments are starting to agree with you. E-Bugs play goalie at some level. Yeah, Whether exactly. they play it or they just happen to play. So that's that's probably a better answer to that. You're right. Okay. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Game of the night on Tuesday. Okay, actually, can we have this conversation real, like, about Toronto, you Edmonton. can have any conversation you want. Yeah, you know that's why we that's why we're doing this show. It's that we can have any conversation we want. Um, can we ask the question why a game featuring Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews is not available nationally? Like, should that not be a nationally televised broadcast, or is that just me? Like, like I live in Ottawa, so I cannot watch, unless I have the package, I can't watch two of the best four players on the planet. And I, I it's mind-boggling to me that McDavid v. Matthews is a regional broadcast on a Tuesday night. Come on. So the funny thing about this is, this is not the first time all season. And, and 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 if you go back, obviously, previous years as well. But for whatever reason, this year, more than ever, I've just been so much more cognizant of these complaints about these matchups not being nationally televised. Like, remember earlier in the year, there was like a, a, a Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard game that was not nationally televised. Um, none of the uh, Global Series games out in Sweden. Uh, I can't think of any that were nationally televised. And then you have McDavid and Matthews go up against each other, and it's not going to be nationally televised. Like, why? Like, I I, I don't understand it. Like, I, I wish the NHL was a little bit more proactive looking at a schedule and saying, well, you know what? Like, even if it is a Tuesday night, like, let everyone see this, you know? Right? And and I could, and like, I, I think it just makes sense. And I get it. You know what? Getting NHL personalities to sell some of these games is a bit of a difficulty. But at the very least, people would want to watch it. I mean, I think because I'm in Alberta, I, I would be able to watch it. I'll be watching the uh, Flames game against the Coyotes, but I think I'd be able to watch it in Alberta, presumably. But yes. like, yeah, I think it's ridiculous that people across the country 
uh, in Canada can't watch it. If people in the States want to watch it, I'm sure they'd have to go through like ESPN Plus or whatever. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's just you at all. And I can't wait until we reach a day where some of these games on the schedule, we don't even have to think about them not being nationally televised. Yeah, I, yeah, that's okay. But I wonder if you are a network executive for TNT or ESPN and you have the chance to put McDavid against Matthews on, but you know that they're two Canadian markets. How much hesitancy do you have? Probably a lot because those two Canadian, there's something about Canadian markets that just Americans tune out of. But I also think that with Austin Matthews being there, there's so much for TNT and ESPN to do to try to build them up and be as much of a household name as they could make it. So that way they don't think about the fact that they're, they're, they're playing for a Canadian market. Cause look, I mean, Connor McDavid is one thing where he's a big deal here in Canada, but he might not be more recognizable than like the number three, number four pitcher for the Chicago Cubs for Americans. Like, but for Austin Matthews, who is trying to become the best American born player since Patrick Kane, if he's not already, like, there's an opportunity there. And as long as those two networks have that package, are able to broadcast the game, like, they play a role in this. So, I, I unfortunately, I think right now there is some hesitancy on that, but. Maybe there comes a day where Austin Matthews, just his profile just grows more with Americans, and then there isn't that hesitancy. But right now there is. Before we bounce, Edmonton-Toronto is the game of the night, the marquee matchup, as we mentioned, McDavid and Matthews. Edmonton's got a 10-game streak. Toronto feels like they're, they've hit another speed wobble, so and they're never not fun to watch. So that's going to be the <laughs> game of the night. Uh, what would it take? for me to get you to settle in. And I know you're working and you're, you're paying attention to, to Calgary and I'm uh, the avalanche are in town in Ottawa. But if you had a free night, what would it, now I feel like a car salesman. What would it take for me to put you in, in this seat today to watch Chicago, San Jose in its entirety? What, what would I need to offer you like free pizza? Like I, I'm going to cater your night. Um, like, like, what would I have to do to like, – Julian, my man, I need you to watch from the opening puck drop to the final buzzer. What do I got to do for you? Pizza or something more? Pizza plus? Oh, my, oh my God. Um, I would need uh, a pepperoni pizza from the finest establishment you could get me. And Okay, so Little Caesars, done and done. Little C, no, 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 no. Fine, fine. They're always fine. hot. Let me rephrase that. It, a bit, no, a pizza place from uh, my spot of choice uh, and naming rights to your next child. I said pizza plus. That's a little bit more than plus plus. You said plus. That's oh, plus. Naming plus rights to your next naming child. Naming your child. You know what, though? You know what I like about your name? Is what, I have what, what the option to use your your first and your last name <laughs> as a first name. I could name my child Mackenzie. I could name you my can. child Julian. You know, yes. and it works. Mackenzie can work in in any direction. Okay, you know what? At least I got options. I got options. Yeah, I want I want naming rights. So like I I I want I like want, the next child. It's like a, it's like a stadium. 
naming rights. Yeah, I I I think so. And look, I I think that's more than fair. If you're going to get me to watch Chicago versus San Jose willingly, like the only way I would do that, like Michael Russo was complaining about how cold it is in Minnesota. There's probably a good chance because of that cold air mass that we had in Alberta, where it was minus 50 with the wind chill, probably making its way down uh, into to the United States. I sound like a weatherman all of a sudden. Uh, but like that's probably why it would have to be that. Like uh, like I like we had this cold. Yesterday was like the first time I left my house in like a week. And if it wasn't for my TV being out, like maybe I'd watch it just so I just because I'd give myself something to do. But of course, I wouldn't want the power grid in Alberta to go out. So maybe I'd refrain from that. But uh, yeah, I would need naming rights and pizza. All right. And by the way, Julia says the sharks may suck, but boy, are we enjoying 55 degree Fahrenheit weather in the Bay Area. Oh, I bet you I bet you love the 55 plus degree Fahrenheit. I'm sure you would not I'm sure you would prefer not to have the alternative, which is the negative. Man. Yeah, that's yeah. That that sounds per 55 degrees Fahrenheit in January sounds just about perfect to me. Perfect. I I I'd live I'd live with that. And I'm they got fine. they got a they got an outdoor football game later this week in the Bay Area too. Um Oh boy, so that, yes. That sounds like good weather for that. All right. That does it for this Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. A reminder, hit us up, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Let us know if you're a season ticket holder uh, and you share season tickets. Do you do a draft? You got any funny draft stories? We'd love to hear from uh, from you on those uh, types of things. Wednesday will be coming your way, noon Eastern time, 10 Mountain Time. See what I did there? Mountain Time. Mountain Time gets the short end of the stick every time, right? Every time. Everyone's like, it's 12 Eastern, 9 Pacific. No one gives mountain time any love. Right? I think we get more time than Central. Actually, no, maybe Central time gets more time than us. You know what I used to remember as a kid? I'd be watching the yeah. NFL on CBS, and Pat Summerall would say, 60 minutes coming up next for everybody except on the West Coast. And then I for moved me, to the West Coast. Insane, and I'm like, damn, 60 minutes is not coming on after the end of this football game. <laughs> wow. You, what a world. You really... You really wanted, uh, was it Bill Bradley? What's the name of the, the, the longtime 60 Minutes guy? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of them anyway. Yeah, Bill Bradley was I, a name. Yeah, you really Ed, wanted Ed, those Ed stories. Brad Ed, Ed Bradley. Bradley. Ed, excuse me, Ed Bradley. You really wanted those Ed Bradley stories, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Wednesday, uh, Sean McAdoo, Down Goes Brown will join us. Uh, noon Eastern time, 10 Mountain time. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to this Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Leave us a five-star rating and review. You know we would certainly appreciate that. You can follow our hijinks on YouTube. YouTube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. And right now, you can get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit athletic.com slash hockey show.